letting up straight on to the next presentation. So yeah, straight over to Andrea and Jill. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us. Sorry, oops. Um, so I'm Andrea, or Dre, and this is Jill, and we're here to talk to you about Reach Out Next Step, which is an online tool to help young people um, find support for mental health. Um, we work at Reach Out, well actually I don't work at Reach Out anymore, but I was the project manager on this project, and Jill is one of the research managers on the project. Um, so just a little bit about Reach Out. Um, Reach Out is 18 years old. It started in response to the um, high rates of uh, suicide for young people in Australia. Um, and it started as a youth forum 18 years ago, which was quite innovative and revolutionary. Um, and in the last five years, it's re really had a focus on expanding that service offer. Um, this tool is part of that. Um, so first we're going to talk to you about the problem that we were trying to solve and why we thought it would be a good idea to do more than just a website or a forum. So one in four young Australians um, have uh, experienced some sort of uh, mental health difficulty and only one third of those young people are actually seeking help. So what we identified was that there isn't really enough help seeking and what happens is help seeking is happening uh, really late in the piece and often really late in life. So uh, I guess having barriers to help seeking also um, impacts on adult mental health. So if we can address young, um, mental health in young people and we can find a way to create and facilitate that early help seeking when things are really not that bad, um, we can probably impact a lot of people. So I guess why are young people not seeking help is the first thing that we needed to find out. And Jill's going to talk to you a little bit about that. Okay, so one of the reasons was that many young people don't realise how serious their problem is. They don't see the seriousness of the issue. Um, often they're not sure what's going on for them or at the very least they're not sure how to articulate that. A lot of young people feel like they can deal with things themselves. They say, this is something that I can deal with. I don't need to seek help for this. Um, also, the anonymity is really important to them. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to feel like a burden. Often young people just don't know how to access that help. And it's also a fear of the unknown. So having, knowing what the barriers to help seeking were, we took those and we partnered with the University of Melbourne and the Young and Well CRC. And we set out with the objective to develop and evaluate an online tool which facilitates help seeking for young people. Essentially what we're trying to do is increase readiness to seek help um, so that when something does happen, people know what to do, where to go, how to collect what's happening. We started with a lot of research um, and we came across a help seeking theory um, which Rickwood's help seeking theory, which really aligned very well with the barriers to help seeking, which basically said if we can help a young person recognise the symptoms, not necessarily knowing this is what's wrong with me, but actually just identifying how they're feeling and then being able to articulate those feelings, uh, informing them and educating them on what's the type of help that, and support that they can receive, that increases their readiness to seek help. So when something does happen, they know what to do and where to go. We took that theory... Um, and now we had, we knew what the barriers were, we had a good theory to start with, we had some partners, we had some funding, which was very important. Um, and so we came up with this model where we said we'll put young people in the middle, everything is about young people's needs and wants. 
We also then need um, to make sure that we have a theory, which we had, and we have lots of research and that we continue that research throughout the piece, and that we, prov uh, we engage service providers, not only because they're the ones that are going to be supporting young people through the journey, but also because they're the ones with the knowledge about what works in the offline space. And of course, we needed to bring in digital expertise. So um, some of you, or hopefully most of you, would have been at De um, Denise Jacobs' talk yesterday, and she spoke about the collective wisdom. <laughs> this is what it looked like for us. Um, so hopefully she would be proud. It was um, logistically uh, really interesting. I had to um, access some of the anxiety um, work worksheets in our website. <laughs> um, but um, you can see that we engaged a lot of the service providers that were part of the pro whole project. They helped with the algorithms. Um, we had some really um, amazing researchers involved and some great digital agencies. And some people are in the room here today, so thank you. Um, most importantly, we had up to 600 young people um, as part of the process. This is an overview of what our UX journey looked like. Um, and we won't go into detail of this, but the blue stuff is pretty much all UX or testing of some sort, and the yellow stuff is the actual development and design. So you can kind of see how a lot of it is really just trying to find answers to questions and testing those and then retesting them. And you can also see that we have some parallels. So we have one um, kind of line at the top which looks like a bit more of a waterfall. Um, and that was um, really helpful in engaging that part of um, the project team that needed to have more long-term strategic and linear um, kind of deliverables. And then we were also able to start a more agile approach that ran in parallel and then fed into itself. Um, so the, one of the first things that we did was establish some um, UX goals, and Jill will tell you a little bit about what those were. And so those UX goals came from our stakeholders, but particularly from the young people that we spoke to. One of the important things was to validate my feelings. Thank you. Um, to show me that I'm not... To show me that I'm not alone. So to normalise the things that young people are feeling, there's other young people experiencing those things as well. To walk me through the process, so make it user-friendly, make it simple. Give me a sense of help, of hope also to tune into me. So while it's important to have a process, it's also important to tune into where people are at in that stage to be flexible and enable me to access this product at any time on any device. So with all of that, um, I'm going to show you a little video that um, basically shows you what we came up with. One in four young Australians experience mental health difficulties, yet only one third of them seek help. If you or someone you know is going through a tough time, it can be daunting to get help or even know where to start. Reach Out Next Step is an online tool that you can access on your computer, tablet or mobile device. Based on what you tell us is going on for you and how much it's affecting you, Next Step will recommend a range of support options like articles, apps, forums, chats, phone and face-to-face -face services. It's free, completely anonymous and easy to use. So, whether you're dealing with something that might seem silly, something pretty serious or a total emergency, 
you can get support when and where you need it. So um, the end product actually is pretty simple, four steps, um, really easy to use. Um, underneath it all, I guess, is a lot of data, a lot of stuff, a lot of mapping, a lot of work by all those stakeholders. Um, what is a relatively straightforward experience for the user um, required a lot of work, but also is giving us some incredibly useful data, which wasn't what we set out to do, but has become a really great bonus. What we have is incredible um, aggregated data that allows us to answer questions like, um, in Victoria, um, out of the young people who use the tool, how many of them are um, choosing what symptoms? Are they going there for alcohol and drugs? Are they there for eating disorders? Are they there because they're thinking about suicide? And out of those, what severity are they? Is it extreme or is it just okay? Um, and what types of support are they accessing most? Are they accessing apps more? Are they accessing articles? Are they actually clicking on the phone services or the websites? So it actually starts to paint a picture of um, young people in Australia and the types of things that are impacting people and how, how bad it actually is. So um, that gives you a big overview. And we just wanted to pull out five key lessons. Obviously, there was a lot of lessons, but we thought we'd pull out five um, that were kind of interesting to us. The first one is how to go fast. We learned how to go fast in a slow lane. We didn't <laughs> build a train over a road, um, but we kind of did. By adapting those sort of, by using methodologies in parallel, we were able to have some teams moving quite fast while others moved quite slow and then feeding in where we needed to. Um, and that was really useful because um, often there can be so much conflict if you're trying to just get everyone to work on your, at your really fast pace. Um, the second lesson was beware of advisory group buyers. So we had this fantastic group of target users and it was great because we could send the product to them every week and they could give us feedback on it and then we could incorporate that feedback. But what happened is they became, they became champions of the product and so they lost their objectivity. So it was important for us then to go and get some new users. So we had the, our target group that could keep us honest and then the new users to maintain that objectivity and sort of get that constructive criticism. Um, our third lesson was real-world real problems. Um, with an incredible amount of user testing and with some UX experience, there was a lot of things that we felt pretty strongly that we knew, but because we're working with young people and with um, a really risk-averse stakeholder group, young people, mental health equals high, lots of um, duty of care, and lots of um, risk-averse um, stakeholders. So we really spent so much time trying to figure out this thing about, well, what if the symptom is really, really, really bad? Um, you know, normally if a young person walked in with a uh, really serious symptom, we would send them to emergency straight away or we would escalate or, you know, what about this tool? If someone comes and um, selects one of those, we should do the same. So we spent a lot of time to, to figure out what to do. In the end, we came up um, with there'd be this alert that if, some, if a young person selected... Um, one of uh, the symptoms that had been flagged as being pretty serious symptoms, they would get an alert that would say, hey, we're just checking in and um, just want to know if you're okay or would you like to continue with this tool? And the clinical advisory got really excited about this. They thought it was a great idea. We ended up with 75% of the symptoms with an alert, right? Um, so obviously in, as a UX designer and with focus groups, we were like, that's not going to work. 
Anyway, we got to the live product and we very quickly found out that it didn't work. We very quickly found out that in fact, people that were being served the alert were more likely to drop off at that point, were less likely to complete and actually were not interacting with any of the things on that alert. We still have the alert, but we've managed to drop, the, drop it back to only 20 symptoms, um, so about 10%, um, so 20%. So it's just a matter of we, we felt, feel like we almost wasted a lot of time trying to convince this stakeholder group when actually we just needed to get it to um, a real-world scenario and show them how it worked, and then they were very quickly able to understand um, the difference and understand that it wasn't going to create risk, that if anything, having the alert there was stopping people from using the tool. So lesson number four was reaching the hard to reach is hard. And I know that sounds very obvious, but it's something that we really wanted to do <laughs> that we actually didn't do that well. And I think part of the problem was we tend to use recruitment agencies for our products. And it was like the week before we'd say, now we need two people with low literacy. Can we have them for next week? And even though we'd known that was something that we wanted to do in future, it would have been important. And I think some people talked about it in their presentations yesterday, which actually partner with groups that are serving those young people and build up those relationships and do that early. So that was an important lesson for us. Um, and the last one is UX goals. Um, identify UX goals in your journey. So um, Jill read out the UX goals that we had to you. Um, and we keep getting asked, how many people are completing the tool? Um, and while we have that data, I think it's important um, to acknowledge from the very beginning and to educate your stakeholder group that actually all but one of our UX goals are reached before step four. So in fact, in UX, in step one, we find that at least three of our UX goals are validated. Um, young people are feeling like they, the issue that they have is acknowledged and therefore it's worth and important to get help for it. They immediately feel like they're less alone because if it's in a list and if it's in this tool, it must be a thing. Other people must be going through it. Um, and so immediately we're finding that we're validating those goals. So bringing our metrics and data um, and analytics team into that conversation early on so that when we um, show our, um, set up our KPIs, um, we are actually speaking about how we're validating the goals and how we're helping young people, not just how we're getting to step four, because it's not a conversion. It's not, we're not getting to a shopping cart and then selling a product. It's a very different experience. So to just be aware of that early on and educate your stakeholders about how that works differently to, I guess, um, more of the mainstream um, online experiences is really important. So what's next for us? Um, Oh, well, Reach Out um, Next Step has been live for about eight months now on uh, the Reach Out website. Uh, it has had over 10,000 um, users and we've had some really positive results. Of course, like anything, there's always um, ways to improve and we've got um, a lot of ideas about um, how we can expand, how we can use the data differently, how we can integrate. Um, but overall, we're pretty confident that it's in a really good place and that it is ticking um, those, um, those UX goals. Uh, for the intended user group. Um, what's really exciting is what's next, which is that the way we built Next Step, it's basically a widget. It can then be um, really easily implemented onto any other website. So currently it's on a pilot at Melbourne University because if we want early help seeking, then really what we want is to be serving this tool, not just on a mental health website when someone's already Googled and found it and kind of known that there's a problem, but on a university website, on a gym website, on you know JB Hi-Fi, I don't know. but. The possibilities are kind of endless, and then the data is also endless. So we kind of um, 
you know, I don't know if you went there um, for Stone's talk yesterday, but it's kind of we, our focus at the moment is context. Is okay, what happens when we put this tool on all these other contexts, and what can we learn about? Um, young people's mental health in these different contexts. Does it differ? Do we have more people having different types of issues on a Melbourne university when they access it through Melbourne University versus when they access it through the reach out site versus if they access it through a gym site? Or and what kind of information does that give us as a community about young people and their mental health and how we can improve that? That's it. Thank you very much. Jill, giving us insights of what is such an important subject. Um, I reckon we've got time for one question. Is there any out there? Or oh, I knew it'd be miles away. <laughs> I just wanted to ask um, what the age range is for a young person. And so the yep. follow-on question from that is then how do you define the language that you use? Mm -hmm. So um, I guess legally it's um, 18 to 25. Um, you can um, reach out, it's actually 14 to 25. Um, the median is kind of how you define the language, um, but a lot of user testing goes into it and you ultimately just rejig it until you've got something where you've got acceptance by a wide demographic. Um, we have had, I don't know Nat's here, but we have done some... Um, some initial research into what a tool like this would be like for a younger age group. Um, and so far, the language itself has actually tested fine. It's more around the issues that affect young people of different age groups that we need to um, address and probably looking at how, you know, there's a bit of a divide around um, drugs and alcohol and sexuality and sexual health and how, um, whether whether you should, shouldn't, how much should you be exposing different age groups to those different issues. So it's less about the language that we find varies, it's more about the content. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.